Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your wwe payback 2023 post show right here on september 2nd 2023 i'm your very sick host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday mornings Wherever you may be, man. I apologize if uh, I apologize in advance if I sound like shit. I apologize in advance if I sniffle or if I cough or if I have some green watery substance coming from my nose live on YouTube. I apologize, man. I'm the only man in the community that's gone three times today live while having a mild case of the flu. I don't see anybody else doing this type of shit. We got a couple of bombs in here already, man. Holy shit. You guys are fucking crazy. I mean... We got a $100 bomb right out of the gate from Latino 46 Heats. J.D., Thank you for reporting on Bray Wyatt, CM Punk, and WWE. When Bray passed, all I wanted to hear 
is your take in hopes of making sense of all this? Seriously, thank you. Long live OTS. That's another round of applause. Absolutely, Latino Heat. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here, man. You guys are going to get me through this post-show with that type of energy. I'm telling you right now. Because I'm ready for bed. I was ready for pro wrestling tonight, man. I really was. After that CM Punk stream we did earlier, oh my God, man, my energy was through the roof. I was hyped up. I mean, that stream was tremendous, man. We were live earlier in the afternoon. Legitimately, I, I texted Jesse. I'm like, bro, we got to go live. He asked, what time? I'm like, 15 minutes. And we were live on the air in front of almost 6,000 people for a stream that was set up in 15 minutes. I don't know, man, but I feel like that's a pretty decent number of people in the venue, man. I really appreciate you guys for joining us, man. That's all anybody is talking about right now. CM Punk fired from AEW. And I'm going to have more news throughout Sunday, man. There is so much news coming out about this shit. Apparently, there was the collision the, the collision show tonight where Tony Khan actually addressed this live on air. Apparently, there was a meeting that was supposed to take place between the elite CM Punk and Tony Khan before All In that was canceled by the elite. So much shit's coming out. Backstage feeling on the roster. The roster split. The soft roster split now seemingly gone. Brian Danielson is back quicker than I had imagined. After breaking his arm in that match with Kazuchika Okada at Forbidden Door, he's back. He's wrestling Sunday. Who needs Punk? He's in the match with Ricky Starks. I mean, there's just so much going on, man. There really is just so much going on. It's enough to make your head spin. Oh, my goodness. He's fucking guys, man. You believe this motherfucker? You believe this motherfucker? Jason Barker dropping bombs like Ronald Acuna against the Dodgers this weekend, man. Holy shit. $100 super chat. By the way, the Dodgers swept by the Atlanta Braves. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of concerned, by the way. I'm really concerned at how good the Braves are playing, man. That only means one thing. You reach the highest of highs and there's nowhere to go but down. Do they win the World Series? I don't know. If they don't win the World Series, this may be the biggest blunder in the fucking history of the franchise, to be honest with you. Jason Barker with a 100 dollars Super Chat. Sub, y'all. Great PLE and relaxing before work. OTS for life. Jason. <laughs> Buy this man around, bro. Buy this man around. Macho, my guy Macho T's in the chat. My guy Buddy's in the chat. Bro, fuck Baltimore. What are you talking about? Baltimore's coming. What are you talking about, man? Get out of here with this shit. Shout out to my guy Macho T, man. Go check him out, as always. Doing the WWE 2K23 and AEW Fight Forever thing. Honestly, I don't even know who's playing Fight Forever anymore. Are you guys even playing Fight Forever anymore? Honestly. I gave up after the first time I played it. I'm like, fuck this shit. Right back to Destiny. We had a great PLE tonight, man. All the CM Punk news aside, we had a great PLE. And it's amazing how WWE and the build for these shows is so awful. It's so boring. You get the same matches every week. They had to give you... 
at least eight or nine different variations of Sami Zayn, KO, Cody against the Judgment Day. For weeks, we got the same matches. And then when we get to the pay-per-view, they saved, obviously, the best for last year. This was a solid PLE. Some people were saying that it was the best PLE that WWE put on all year. Negative. It wasn't the best PLE that WWE put on all year. That is reserved for possibly the Backlash show in Puerto Rico and WrestleMania night one. And Money in the Bank was pretty decent as well. So WWE PLEs, if there's one thing that the company has done right and has corrected in the semi Triple H administration, because we all know that he's not he's not fully running shit, man. Give me a break. We all know that Vince McMahon is still somewhat in charge. But if there's one thing that has been administered, as far as change is concerned from Triple H, it's make the PLEs shorter and make the PLEs stand out with quality over quantity. Don't make them five hours long. Let's have five or six matches. Boom. More impactful. That is what payback was tonight. And I say it all the time with these shows, especially these lower-level, B-level shows, very takeover-esque, very takeover in feel and in flow and in crowd reaction. Everything just seemingly went very well tonight, man. There wasn't really an off spot until the women's match with Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez. That's when the crowd kind of died down. I mean, following that tag team match, I don't know who was going to go out there and put on an entertaining match for that crowd. They expended so much energy in that tag team match. It was ridiculous, man. John Cena was the host tonight. He played a small role in payback, and we will get to what John Cena potentially could be doing. I was possibly, and many others, were possibly proved wrong about John Cena's plans moving forward. And we will touch upon that because he was in the L.A. Night and Miz match as a special guest referee. So it looks like John Cena will remain on SmackDown and L.A. Knight may be his first real opponent if things play out the way that they did tonight on Payback. Excellent show, highlighted by a steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. I'm glad the feud is over, but man, oh man, did those women kill it tonight. Absolutely fantastic match between those two. They showed up to work, and I really respect that. I really appreciate it. I think they know that they were fucked over with this feud. I think they know that the feud went on too long. I know that fans were upset that they didn't get put on the SummerSlam card. I will go over exactly why they made the right decision to put this match on this show in Pittsburgh instead of doing it at SummerSlam. And the quality of the match that you got would not have been the same on SummerSlam. Excellent match between those two ladies. They fucking killed it. Michael Cole said it's a potential match of the year candidate. It ain't match of the year. I don't even know if it'll be in the top 15, but in WWE, it may very well be in the top 10 because mostly the matches of the year are coming out of AEW. Let's be real. Ladies killed it. The tag team match was fucking incredible, man. I loved most of this show, but this was the highlight for me, man. This shit got my sick motherfucking ass off the couch. 
And I'm like, holy shit, what are we doing here, man? I can't lay down. I, I got to get out from underneath this blanket. I got to fucking put this hot tea down. I got to get up, man. What, what are they doing here? For weeks, we got the same fucking match over and over and over and over again. And we got probably one of the best tag team matches in any company all year. But this was no regular tag team match. This was a Texas Tornado match. This was a Steel City street fight. You got kendo sticks. You got chairs. You got tables. You got blood in this thing. You got a manufactured hockey fight, which was fucking awesome in this thing. Kevin Owens thinking he's fucking Jeff Hardy from 20 years ago, jumping off a fucking uh, walkway in the crowd, off the walkway with a swanton through a table that he fucking missed. 90% of them missed the table. Crazy, crazy, crazy shit, man. The Judgment Day and the numbers of the Judgment Day were too much. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens lose the WWE Tag Team Championships. Unbelievable. I did not expect that at all. I expected some further tension between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. But we have the whole month of September. We have the whole month of October. And we have most of November, where I do believe we will be getting war games. That's where you should start building the tees for Judgment Day to split up. And if WWE does give us war games, I believe Judgment Day will be involved in that match. Because the bloodline is no more. And the Judgment Day is the most dominant faction on WWE television. And right now they have a whole slew of enemies. I thought this match was great, man. Absolutely a fun, brutal tag team match that exceeded all these expectations because I know a lot of people were coming into this, oh my God, how many fucking times we got to see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Judgment Day? And they fucking proved everybody like, yeah, man, I know you guys were sick to death, but we got the last one and it's going to be a fucking banger. And that's exactly what it was, man. Excellent, excellent, excellent match. By far and away the best match of the entire night. I would go with Becky and Trish being number two. The other big thing that happened tonight was Cody Rhodes on the Grayson Waller effect. And I know a lot of people... Oh, my goodness, man. You guys are fucking... Yo, let's get some drinks over here. Billy Sizain with a $100 super chat. JD, get better, get rest. What a week of wrestling. CM Punk gone. Now bring back the AEW from the prior. I don't know, Billy. I don't know, man. We are going to talk about CM Punk later this week, man. I got more news on CM Punk. I'm going to try and get some extras out for you guys throughout Sunday and going into Monday on Labor Day, man. It is crazy. Absolutely crazy with the news that's coming out. There is no rest for the weary here, man. There is just constant news. Everywhere I look, there's just fucking something happening. It's crazy. Thank you to all the Super Chats coming on in, guys. If you want to get them on in, you can be like Billy. You can be like Jason. You can be like Latino Heat and get those bombs in here, man. I love this energy so far for the Payback Post Show. Cody Rhodes on the Grayson Waller effect. That was the other big thing that happened tonight. He was out there with a major announcement. And I genuinely thought that 
Grayson Waller was going to pick a fight with Cody Rhodes, and he even teased that sometimes these shows end up with the host and the guest ending in a brawl. Cody Rhodes was out there to basically exclaim that he used his political pull, whatever political pull he had, to get Jay Uso on Monday Night Raw. It's quite the interesting name. Now, I don't know what you guys were thinking. I thought that Cody Rhodes was going to say he was going to use his political pull to trade himself over to SmackDown so that he could be on the same brand as Roman, be on the same brand as John Cena, and just trade Cody to SmackDown for somebody to come over to Raw. That's where I thought he was going with that. That wasn't the case. He used his pull to get Jay Uso, who basically quit WWE. He quit SmackDown. He quit the bloodline. He quit WWE. And Cody used his political pull to whoever runs Raw to sign Jay Uso as a free agent. Why did they do this? Why did they do this? It's because WWE wants you to still be invested after all these months, we're in September. We got October, all September, October, November, December, January, February, March. We got eight months till WrestleMania. The plan is for Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso to wrestle one-on-one at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. Cody Rhodes bringing Jay Uso to Monday Night Raw is quite the interesting situation because how do you expect Cody to get to Roman. Do you think the bloodline, do you think Roman, do you think Paul Heyman are going to sit and just sit idly by and let Cody do whatever he's wanting, whatever he wants to do? You don't think they're going to address this? Cody Rhodes, of all people, intertwining himself in bloodline business to get Jey Uso away from the family and Jey Uso on Raw. This is easily... The best way to keep Jay and Jimmy apart. They did the same thing with Dominic and Rey Mysterio last year. Or, I guess last year, going into this year's WrestleMania. They're doing the same thing this year with Jimmy and Jay Uso. They are now both on separate brands. And Cody, this is going to be Cody's way in to get closer to Roman, closer to bloodline business, and get his match with Roman at WrestleMania 40. How we get there, I don't know. Does he win the Royal Rumble for a second year in a row? I don't really want to see that. Does he win the chamber? I don't know. But we will see what happens with Cody and Roman, which right now is the rumored match for WrestleMania. So if you're looking at WrestleMania 40 head-on right now, you can see where WWE's creative direction is going. Cody and Roman, part two for the World Heavyweight Championship. Jimmy and Jey Uso, brother versus brother. And Rey Mysterio versus Santos Escobar, I do believe, will be a match Whether it's not for the United States Championship or not, I don't know. But I do believe that match will be taking place as well because, in my honest opinion, that is a WrestleMania match. So, Cody did that, pulled the strings, got Jey Uso on Monday Night Raw. That was his big announcement. Shinsuke Nakamura. He challenged Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship on Monday Night Raw. I thought this was the best presentation of Nakamura at least the last three weeks presentation of Nakamura on the main roster. Nothing beats his NXT run. Nothing. That match with Sami Zayn is still Nakamura's best match in WWE. 
the presentation, the hype, the visuals, everything. Everything they did with Nakamura in NXT was picture perfect. They ruined all that. As soon as they brought him up to the main roster, they didn't know what the fuck to do with him. The last three weeks of presentation for Nakamura were great. Tonight, they exceeded our visual presentation expectations. They had some beautiful comic book laid out vignette where they introduced him with this comic book slideshow and vignette. Very beautiful. Very anime-like. And they had him come out. He looked like a fucking killer. I loved his ring attire tonight. Still had his baby face theme. Crowd was singing along. He looked like a legit challenger for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Match itself was fine. I thought the match was a little slow in parts, but I thought the match was fine for what it was. Nakamura is a very methodical worker. He works a strong style. And the back of Seth Rollins was the issue. So he was going to target the back and work a slower match and torture Seth Rollins. I get all that. I thought the match was Nakamura's best match all year, to be honest with you. He's done nothing, really, on the main roster. But as a main event, I don't know, man. You could go either way with that. On one hand, I'm happy that Seth Rollins finally got a main event. And the only reason why he got a main event is because Roman Reigns wasn't on the fucking show. Which kind of lends to the reason that we call his title a secondary title. When Roman's not on the show, he'll be in the main event. But if Roman's on the card, he'll be somewhere in the middle of the show. Secondary. He'll be second place. So I'm glad that he finally got a main event. But he had a main event with Nakamura. And main eventing with Nakamura, who's basically been just another guy on the main roster, that is a very tough sell to the viewer. That's a tough sell for me. Nakamura's been buried on the main roster. Why would anybody take Nakamura personally as a serious threat? Why would anybody take him as a threat to take the world title from anybody, let alone Seth Rollins? Vince has done nothing with him. WWE's been hot and cold for years with Nakamura. He's a babyface, he's a heel. He's a babyface, he's a heel. They've done nothing with him. So why as the viewer am I going to sit there and take Nakamura seriously because you want to give me three weeks of fucking really cool vignettes and dress him up like some sinister-looking heel only for him to lose clean against Seth Rollins. Where are we going now? Where are we going with Nakamura now? He lost clean. He lost to Seth Rollins in the main event. Where do we go from there? Some people were telling me he attacked Rollins at the end of the show. As soon as the cameras went off, he attacked Rollins at the end of the show. Why didn't that happen when the cameras were on? Why do I have to hear about it when the cameras went off? If this was NXT, Triple H would have given you the trademark logo at the bottom of the screen and Nakamura would have attacked him while you think the show's going off the air. That's exactly what they should have did tonight. But why would you invest your time in another rematch with Nakamura when he lost tonight clean? I don't really understand that. Some people think Nakamura is done with WWE. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. But I don't really understand why anybody is clamoring to see another match. Maybe we get another match. I don't really know who is lined up to challenge Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. But again, it's going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a really tough sell to get another match out of these two at Fastlane for the World Heavyweight Championship. I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it. 
Anyway, guys, we're going to go over what happened in these matches tonight. I'm glad you have joined me. 2,500-plus here in the OTS Beer Garden. I appreciate you guys very much. You've, all, all, you've already exceeded my expectations tonight. You guys are crazy, man. We're going to try and get through this. My voice is hoarse. I'm sickly. I'm tired. But we're going to try our best, man. Three streams today takes a lot out of you. I did an hour and a half on SmackDown. I did almost two hours with Jesse on the CM Punk thing in front of 6,000 people. And we got another 2,500 plus here tonight. And we'll probably end up going two hours. I should be in bed. I thank you guys for joining me, man. The least you could do is hit that thumbs up. Oh, my goodness. I got to stop Doc. I got to stop Doc. This guy, Latino Heat, is putting a stop to Red Skies right now, man. Look at this fucking guy. How many people can say they did that? It's crazy. Latino Heat with another $100 super chat. Yo, JD, I had it hit you up again. Thank you again for giving us a SmackDown review. Takes on Wyatt and Punk. Your well-being and health means more than any review. Thank you again. OTS for life. Latino Heat. You're bringing the fucking heat tonight, brother. Holy shit. Unbelievable, man. Let's get Doc back on the uh, sound system, huh? Make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. We are 400 subscribers away from 149,000 subscribers. Then the road to 150 begins. It's a nice round number. I'd love to get there soon. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, man. There's one place, there's one post show that people seek immediately after the show. This one. Every time. No matter what show it is, man. Raw, AEW, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We are always number one. Always. Make sure you guys... Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. We were live earlier with SmackDown. We were live for the CM... If you want all our thoughts on CM Punk, make sure you guys go check that out. Me and Jesse were live immediately after the news broke. I'll be live tomorrow with All Out. I'll be flying solo. Jesse's got family obligations. He will not be with me unless things change. I will let you guys know on social media. But I will be live after All Out. It's going to be another long night. But I think tomorrow I'm going to try and get a nice nap in which I did not do today. So go check all that stuff out. And there's a ton of other shit, man. We were live for Wednesday. Ticket Drew and I were live on Thursday. It's crazy, man. There's a lot of shit. Ended up being one of the best August months that we've ever had. Thanks to you guys. Make sure you guys get those super chats in. You guys have already done that. Unbelievable, you guys. Continue getting them in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Memberships are open. You guys know what to do with those. If you guys want to be a part of the OTS family, become a channel member right here on Off The Script. And tonight's show 
sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. You guys are going to use that code JD when you go to BlueChew.com and you're going to get yourself a free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Very easy. Let's get into the start of payback, man. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Steel cage match to open the show. This, I was not looking forward to this. Personally, I was not looking forward to this. In fact, I could not wait for this match and this feud to be over. I've said this time and time and time again on Monday night. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus have been some of the worst story, some of the worst segments in all of pro wrestling for 2023. I don't think they've had one segment that hit. I don't think they've had one segment that went well since this feud started. I don't. Every week, it's been the same thing. Trish has been a terrible heel. Becky Lynch has had no heat with Trish Stratus. I feel like everything was just forced. Everything was just forced. It went on too long. I didn't even like Trish and Lita being back to begin with. I thought the heel turn for Becky and Trish was terrible. I thought Trish turning on Becky was fucking lame. The way that it happened, the way that it it was executed, it was all awful. I genuinely thought that this was going to lead to Lita being back on WWE television. I genuinely thought that. I thought it was going to be Lita and Becky versus Trish and Zoe Stark. That's the way I thought it was going to end up. And we didn't get that. We got this steel cage match instead. We got Trish and Becky to open the show. And my God, man, was it a hot opener. A very hot opener. Now, there were a lot of upset people. Upset that this match did not make SummerSlam. SummerSlam was almost five hours long. It was a very long night. It went from 8 to about 12.30. I don't know why, but it was a very long night of SummerSlam. If WWE put this match on that show, it would not have gotten half of this time at all. They tried to do this, I believe. I don't know if, the, if, if, if it was this or if it was something else. I, I don't know if they tried to do this on Monday Night Raw or not. Somebody correct me, man. My mind is a little fuzzy. But they didn't do this match and it ended up being some sort of disqualification. Or maybe I'm thinking of some other steel cage match. But regardless, people were upset about this match not taking place at SummerSlam. And now you understand, and now you see why they opted to do payback instead. If this was on SummerSlam, it would not have gone 20 minutes. If this was on SummerSlam, it would have been forgotten by the end of the night. On payback, it opened the show. It was one of the best matches of the night, and people are still going to be talking about it on a show like this, whereas SummerSlam... How many other things happened on SummerSlam that you're going to end up talking about? So in the end, it probably paid off for both Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. They showed up to work. They absolutely killed it. And I know the frustration from them not being on SummerSlam. I know the frustration from fans probably fueled them in this match tonight. They basically had to go out there and deliver a certified banger. They had to. After all the frustrations that were felt from the fan base and from the lack of women's wrestling, right? 
that had to go out there and do their thing. Now, the Zoe Stark interference, I didn't really care for. I am not a fan of people interfering in steel cage matches because steel cage match is set up to keep outside parties on the outside and not on the inside. It's to deter people from getting inside the cage. Meanwhile, we got Zoe Stark inside the cage, but she didn't really factor into the ending at all. It was kind of minor, but it wasn't overbearing and overwhelming to a point where it was obnoxious. The ladies ended up having a great match. They got every bit of time that they needed, and this was probably the best Trish Stratus match that I don't know, man. I don't remember much of anything from Trish Stratus's run. I can't sit here and tell you that she had banging matches when she was in her prime. This was probably her best match ever. This was probably her best match to date. Easy. I know a lot of people are going to highlight the Charlotte match at SummerSlam a few years ago. Not a big fan of that match at all. I thought that was overhyped and really, really manufactured. I thought this was a lot better. Ladies killed it. They showed Tiffany Stratton which is something I'll get to in a second. She was shown in the crowd before the match began. That only means one thing. WWE is setting up Tiffany Stratton to defend the NXT Championship against somebody on the main roster. I don't know why, but this is what we are doing with the new NXT. So the bell rang, and Stratus tried to get out of the cage early. Becky Lynch caught her with Several exploders early in the match. Back to back to back. She was going crazy with exploders. Eventually, Stratus came back and hit an elbow. She slowed things down inside the cage and took control. She threw Lynch into the cage and started really mocking Becky and posing inside the cage. Stratus started to kick at Becky. She wanted to escape. Becky Lynch stopped her, again, from getting out of the cage. Stratus kept control with some stiff strikes. Stratus worked a fish hook on Lynch's face, and she started to grate Becky Lynch's face against the cage. No blood. No blood in this steel cage. Lynch eventually fired up. She repeatedly threw Stratus into the walls of the cage. She went for a disarm her, but Stratus countered and rammed Lynch into the cage. Stratus then bridged her body, and Lynch hit Double legs to take Stratus down. So she did the double leg drop off the top rope and took Stratus down as she was kind of straddled on the top rope. So Lynch and Stratus took turns then ramming each other into the cage. Stratus was draped, like I said, with the leg drop over the top rope. Lynch was on the top turnbuckle and Stratus goes up there to join her. Stratus tried to climb out of the cage, but Lynch caught her and hit a powerbomb. So then Becky Lynch went for another disarmer, but Stratus countered into a beautiful-looking widow's peak for a two-count. Now, in this steel cage match, you can pin your opponent or escape by going over the top and both feet hitting the floor. Sometimes WWE does not do the -the over-the-top part, and it's just pinfall or submission. Here we have either one. You could go over the top, or you can pin your opponent in the ring. So after the widow's peak, Stratus went for a bulldog. Lynch countered. Twist of fate paying homage to Lita or the Hardys, whichever you prefer. They mentioned Lita on commentary. Stratus popped up, landed a Stratus faction for a really close near fall. Becky Lynch 
is in trouble now. Stratus stomped on Lynch, and the two fought on the ropes while trying to climb out of the cage. Stratus landed a bulldog from the top, and she goes for cover and gets another close near fall. Stratus went to climb over the cage, but Lynch cut her off. They start trading blows at the top of the cage. Stratus kicked Lynch back down to the ring. Lynch popped up, grabbed Stratus by the hair, and Lynch pulled Stratus back. Eventually, Stratus was hanging by her legs over the cage. She was up top and hanging down, upside down from the top of the cage. Lynch then lifted Stratus as she's pulling Trish Stratus down into the ring on the top rope over into a vertical suplex from the top of the ring. Becky and Trish with a tremendous, huge superplex from the top of the cage. Lynch went for a pin, but Stratus barely, and I mean barely, kicked out. Lynch started to climb back over the top of the cage. Stratus went to crawl her way out of the cage. So Becky was going up, and Trish was crawling to the door, which might have been the smarter move. Lynch hopped down, stopped Stratus, but Zoe Stark, now it was a creative way for Zoe to get involved because as Trish was crawling to the door, the referee had to open the door to let Trish out. In comes Zoe Stark. So Zoe showed up, tried to pull Trish out of the ring to give her the advantage. Stark was there, and Stark slammed the door onto Becky Lynch's face. So she took Becky out momentarily. Lynch came back, hit a manhandle slam on Trish. Stark broke up the pin because now the door was unlocked and she got herself into the cage. Stark took care of Becky Lynch while Trish Stratus climbed to the top to try and go over the top to win the match. She let Zoe basically keep Becky Lynch at bay. So as this is happening, Lynch immediately came back Knocked Stark over, cut Stratus off, and landed a manhandle slam on Trish from the top rope. And that was enough to get the win. One, two, three, and Becky Lynch wins a tremendous steel cage match here on Payback to open the show. Now, after the match, Zoe Stark tried to help Trish Stratus up, but Stratus slapped Zoe Stark in the face. Stratus told Stark to get out of the ring. But Zoe instead closed the cage door and basically intimidated Trish in a one-on-one confrontation. So this led to them shoving each other and Zoe eventually getting her finisher, the Z360, on Trish Stratus, laying her out. So it looks like we may be getting a Zoe Stark split from Trish. Hopefully Trish is written off TV. And Zoe is going to get a babyface run on the main roster. I don't know. I feel like the partnership between Zoe and Trish didn't really work out. I felt like Zoe and Trish in the beginning could be a potential great thing for Zoe Stark, but it obviously, to me, it did nothing. It really didn't do anything at all. And I honestly feel with Zoe, if she goes on her own and does her own thing, I feel like if she gets some momentum underneath herself, it'll be better off. Seriously. So we'll see what happens with that, but she doesn't really feel special yet. She doesn't really have any momentum because this feud basically has been dead in the water. So now with Becky finally ending Trish, 
Trish could go away. Zoe can go do her thing. And Becky, who knows what Becky's got to do? There's nothing else for her to do, which is sad. WWE cannot find anything for Becky Lynch to do unless it's with someone like Trish or it's something with a world championship. Why was Tiffany Stratton sitting at ringside? Tiffany Stratton is the NXT Women's Champion. WWE is setting up a Tiffany Stratton versus Becky Lynch match on NXT television because Tiffany Stratton mentioned she wants to beat all of the previous greatest ever. She mentioned Bailey, she mentioned Charlotte, she mentioned Asuka, and she mentioned Becky. She didn't mention Sasha, because Sasha's not there. But WWE is attempting to do Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch on NXT. I don't know why. I don't like it. I don't have any interest in it. And I feel like it is just absolutely creative laziness that they can't find anything for Becky Lynch to do outside of a fucking championship match. What is that going to do? What is it going to do? All I see is desperate ratings for NXT. You're moving away from the NXT model by doing that. I understand that they're in the midst of TV rights deals, but Becky Lynch for Stephanie Stratton? I mean, give me a break. How many times have they done that over the past two, three months? It's lame. They did that with Dominic. WWE is so bent out of shape over ratings. So they're going to do Becky and Tiffany Stratton. Fine. What happens when Becky loses to Tiffany Stratton? Is Becky going to win the NXT championship? I doubt that. That would be awful. What happens when she loses to Tiffany Stratton? She's going to go right back to Monday Night Raw to do what? What's next for Becky on the main roster? That's what you should be concerned with. The fact that you got nothing for her now, this is nothing more than a temporary thing. This is like a mini vacation for her. You should be thinking about what you need to do with Becky on the main roster, not putting her against fucking developmental talent. I just hate it, man. I hate the whole concept. I really do. It's disgusting. This match was awesome. Really good stuff by Trish and Becky Lynch to open the show. John Cena. John Cena was the host of Smack... uh, Well, he's not the host of SmackDown. He will be on SmackDown for the next three months. But he was the host of Backlash tonight. He made his ring entrance as the host of Payback. So he hyped up how great the Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus match was. He says his goal as host is to make tonight more special. So he's going to be a guest referee for the LA Knight and Miz match coming up next. I didn't sign up for that. John Cena as the special guest referee. We were not told about that in advance. Why is that necessary? I don't really get it. Miz came out. Obviously, he was upset at this announcement, as he should. He accused John Cena of pandering to the audience. Says he could expect that from LA Knight. But he did say John Cena is one of the greatest of all time. But as a host, he sucks. Cena said this is his first time as a host, and Miz has a lot of host experience. Do you have any advice for me, he says. 
We got John Cena asking The Miz for advice on payback. That's funny in itself. Miz says he shouldn't make himself the special guest referee for this match. Cena says that was his only idea. So do you have any other advice? He says he should have said no to him being a merman in the Barbie movie. I didn't see Barbie. It looked awful. I don't know why any anybody would go see that movie, to be quite honest with you. Cena says, Miz, I don't like you, but I have a lot of respect for you. He says he wants to make tonight special. He wants his advice. Miz said Cena has to be more involved. He asked Cena what he's wearing. Miz said Cena has to get more involved in what he's wearing. I wore a $10,000 suit when I hosted WrestleMania, whereas Cena is almost 50 years old, and he still dresses like a Teletubby. Cena said, point taken. Noted. Miz says he has to take charge and be more involved. Cena says he'll be the special guest referee in the Miz's match. Miz then then yelled, no. Fans yelled, yes. Miz lifted his arm, asked the fans to shut up, and Cena and Miz got into a no And yeah, back and forth. Out comes LA Knight. And we get this match happening almost at the top of the hour. About 8.50, Miz and LA Knight hit the ring. Crazy. The one thing I will say about this is they really sold me on this feud. I was very excited about this match coming on in. I thought they did a tremendous job with both promos. Miz has been a great promo. Miz is always a great promo. LA Knight, great promo. Some people on Friday on SmackDown said Miz actually schooled LA Knight in that promo back and forth on SmackDown. I don't know if he schooled him, but he was a little bit more fluid in what he did. The company sold me on LA Knight and the Miz. Whereas when you first heard the announcement, I know everybody collectively groaned and moaned because we all want to see LA Knight in something better, in something more. And I mentioned this on SmackDown when I did my post show earlier in the day. A lot of people groaned and moaned, and we ended up really enjoying the build for this particular match. Should LA Knight be in something more? Sure. Based off his merchandise sales, And based off the fan reaction, the crowd reaction that he gets, sure thing. But WWE, they're not stupid. They know he's the number one merch seller for all of August in WWE. They know of the reactions that he's getting. So why isn't LA Knight in something better? Why isn't LA Knight in something more? Because they don't fully trust LA Knight. That's why. Do you know how they're going to trust LA Knight? How long did this match go tonight? This match this match went almost, I would say the match went about 18 minutes or so. This match went way too long. Way too long. But they did that for a reason. This match went 18 minutes for a reason. This match went with The Miz instead of anybody else for a reason. They put him in there with The Miz because The Miz... And I don't want to put him in the same vein as one of the upper echelon guys. But WWE considers The Miz as a gatekeeper to up-and-coming talent. 
If you can hang with The Miz, if you can hang in a promo segment with The Miz, if you can wrestle and get out of a match great with The Miz, then we may look at you and give you something a little bit more substantial to do. WWE did that through the last three, four weeks of this build. LA Knight has hung with The Miz every step of the way. WWE, one of their biggest criticisms, one of their biggest hesitations of LA Knight is can he go deep in a match? With this match going 18 minutes, he hung with The Miz on the mic. He hung with The Miz in a match, though it should have never gone 18 minutes. But WWE does everything strategically, and WWE does everything with a purpose. Tonight, LA Knight was given a test, and LA Knight passed. And at the end of it all, the crowd was with him every second of the 18 minutes. And he got his hand raised by John Cena. So was LA Knight given the preferential treatment tonight? Yes, he was. He beat the Miz. He got his hand raised by John Cena. And things are looking good for LA Knight. It may be a slow burn, but I do think the WWE is on the right trajectory with LA Knight. I do. I would be the first to tell you if things were fucking taking too long, I'd be the first to tell you if WWE was fucking it up. And you have every right. I have every right to sit here and tell you, I don't trust them. I don't trust what they're doing. LA Knight might, might be looking good now, but I don't trust them. I have every right to say that based off the history of what we've been given with WWE. The more you get over, the more that you are like LA Knight, who's not one of their men, right? He was never supposed to get over, ever. WWE had no plans for LA Knight whatsoever to be this over. He was not in their itinerary of things to do, but he got over on him. He got over himself, all by himself. His charisma, the fans took to him. WWE did not throw him out there with the likelihood of him getting over. WWE looks down on that. They usually punish you for that. But now it's too late. We're too late in the game. If WWE doesn't push LA Knight, then we all know that is going to be something that people are going to focus on. And that would be kind of WWE exposing themselves. But it's happened in the past. So if you don't trust WWE with this LA Knight situation, you have every reason to feel that way. But again, I'd be the first to tell you if things were feeling a little funny. He got the win tonight. John Cena raised his hand. We may be looking at a LA Knight versus John Cena feud on SmackDown. We don't know. Two had a little bit of a war of words at the end of the match. We'll see what happens. This match itself went too long. It did. Could have been cut down by, I would say, I don't know, five, six minutes, maybe. Went about 18 minutes. It could have easily went just 12, 12 minutes. We didn't need a near 20-minute match with The Miz. We didn't. So, seen as the special guest referee, around the five-minute mark, Miz sent Knight into the announce desk, took over on LA Knight, so Miz went for his it kicks. Or what does he call them? The no kicks, the it kicks? I don't know. The stolen kicks from Daniel Bryan. Still using them. So 
I think Michael Cole even mentioned that he stole those kicks from somebody else. They didn't mention Daniel Bryan by name, but I like the fact that Michael Cole alluded that the it kicks were stolen. Miz rolled up night, and LA Knight held on to the ropes after the it kicks. Cena saw that this was the situation, and Miz, I believe, was holding on to leverage the ropes for a pin. And Cena seen that and kicked Miz's hand off the ropes. And Miz pokes Cena in the chest, and he's arguing with John Cena. Cena told him not to take the low road. So there's a scuffle back and forth with the Miz and John Cena. L.A. Knight takes advantage. He almost gets involved with John Cena. So John Cena's throwing his weight around in there, and he's in the way, and he is interfering in this match when he really shouldn't be. Knight almost hit John Cena. Knight stared at Cena, and because of this distraction, Miz hit a skull-crushing finale for a near fall. Miz reacted very shocking. I don't believe he kicked out. Could have been over. Miz got frustrated, raised his arm, stared at Cena. He did the you can't see me. LA and I popped up, power slammed the Miz. He then played to the crowd and he landed his leaping elbow drop, followed by a blunt force trauma for one, two, three, and he beats the Miz in a decent match that didn't need to go 18 minutes. And LA Knight gets the victory over Mr. Mizanin. Cena met Knight on the stage, took his referee shirt off. LA Knight told Cena afterwards that he almost made him lose the match out there. Cena wanted to shake his hand and show him respect. Knight shook his hand, Cena left, and LA Knight played up to the crowd. Now, I don't know what this means for LA Knight. Feud with The Miz is over. What do we do with LA Knight now? Had a little bit of a attitude towards John Cena. Do we get LA Knight and John Cena on SmackDown? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be two big baby faces. You don't want to put two big baby faces in the ring there like those two guys. That's not going to really play up to the crowd pretty well. But what do we do next with LA Knight? I also did not like John Cena being the special guest referee on last minute notice. I did not. I honestly thought that John Cena took away from the match. I thought John Cena was a little bit of a distraction in this match. And I honestly think that The Miz and LA Knight did such a great job on their own that they did not need the extra addition of John Cena to play into their match. Now I get it. If John Cena wanted to come out and raise LA Knight's hand as the host, he could have done that. But why did he need to be the special guest referee? He was not a good referee. He was very clunky as a referee. And he distracted away from what really should be important. And that is LA Knight and The Miz. They had a great last three weeks of build. We didn't need John Cena to be thrown in there at the last minute to kind of muddy shit up. Should have been about LA Knight. And it should have been about The Miz. Simple. So I, personally, you may have liked it. I did not. I thought they could have used a regular referee and went that route and put the spotlight on L.A. Knight and The Miz instead of putting it on John Cena. L.A. Knight gets the victory, and that's all that really matters. Rey Mysterio. He defended the United States Championship against Austin Theory. This was actually a decent match. The length of this match should have been the L.A. Knight and The Miz match. 
match went about 10 minutes. And I honestly think this was probably the most smooth and the best Rey Mysterio and Austin Theory match that we've gotten so far. But basically, it was a very predictable outcome that we didn't really need on pay-per-view again. Clean win. They just put this on the show to get LWO representation. Could have easily been on SmackDown. I don't know why this needed to be on paper. I don't even know why this match was made. We've seen this match time and time and time again. Why are we getting this? The match was fine. It really didn't do much for me, but I thought this was probably the best match that Austin Theory and Rey Mysterio had. So Theory attacked Mysterio to start the match, and the match was sponsored by Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch was everywhere, man. Along the barricades, on the LED boards, on the Titan Tron. They really wanted you to know that this match is sponsored by Kellogg's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Or who is it? Kellogg's or General Mills or one of those. I don't know. I haven't had Cinnamon Toast Crunch in fucking decades, man. So I don't even know what the fuck it tastes like, what it tastes like anymore. But... Cinnamon Toast Crunch. They wanted you to know Cinnamon Toast Crunch was sponsoring this match. So Theory landed a hard clothesline. Fisherman suplex on Mysterio. Theory then hit a swinging headlock slam, which looked great for two. I don't know what it is with the Austin Theory hate on social media, man. I know, listen, he's lacking in the charisma department. He's lacking in the character development. But I mean, what does that have to do with his wrestling ability? He's a great wrestler. He's a very good wrestler. If you can't see that, I don't know what you're watching, man. He's smooth as fuck in there. He really is. Theory worked the chin lock after the headlock slam. Theory threw Mysterio sternum first into the top turnbuckle. Started punching Mysterio, kind of taunting him and talking trash to him. Theory tried to rip off Mysterio's mask at one point. Mysterio fought out of it with a series of back elbows as he sat atop the top rope. Mysterio hit a nice-looking moonsault from the top. Things were kind of getting back to Mysterio's way. Theories on the outside. Mysterio landed a sliding tornado DDT. We go back in the ring after that spot. Mysterio hit springboard head scissors. He goes up to the top for a 619. Mysterio caught him, and that led to a spin-out powerbomb by Austin Theory. Theory went for the A-Town down. Mysterio countered into a step-up in Zaguri. They hit dueling drop kicks. Both were doubled down. They both get to their feet. Theory started to beat Mysterio down. Mysterio hit a 619. Theory got the knees up, lifted Mysterio up for the A-Tow down. He rolled out of it and rolled Theory up for a shock. One, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Rey Mysterio wins and retains the United States Championship. Met the rest of the LWO on the ramp. And Legato with Zelina Santos there held Rey Mysterio up, celebrating his win over Austin Theory. Don't know what else you want me to say about it. Very fundamental, very basic United States Championship match. I think we've seen enough of Austin Theory and the United States Championship. Let's move on. Something new, something fresh for Rey Mysterio. Becky Lynch was backstage. She was interviewed by, I think it was Kathy Kelly. 
Tiffany Stratton interrupted and right away congratulated her with a mocking applause. She says they got off on the wrong foot when she said she was the best NXT Women's Champion of all time and listed Becky. First of all, Tiffany Stratton just won that championship. Don't know how you could call her the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time. It's shit like that that doesn't really invest me in what they're doing down there. You can't say shit like that. You can't. Now, I get it. They do it. I get it that they do it for heel, you know, characteristics. And, you know, they do it for heel development, character development. But, I mean, there comes a time when the writing should be somewhat realistic. You are not the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time. Give me a break. So, she said she didn't realize Becky was never NXT Women's Champion. I wonder where we're going with this. Are we set to give Becky Lynch another championship that she's never earned via the developmental brand? It's crazy to think about. I appreciate you crawling out of your Mattel box and coming to payback, says Becky Lynch. I laughed. I thought that was humorous. She said she should be focusing on her title offense on Tuesday. She hinted she might see her there. Stratton left and nodded at Becky Lynch. I don't know, man. I'm not excited about this match. I'm actually genuinely afraid that they may give Becky Lynch the NXT Women's Championship. I won't be surprised. Ridiculous. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Damian Priest and Finn Balor. A Steel City street fight for the WWE Tag Team Championships. This was easily... The best match on the show. This got over 20 minutes. I thought this was fucking great. And I know a lot of people were frustrated at the fact that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the Judgment Day main evented how many different Raws, whether it was a tag team match, a six-man tag with Cody, six-man tag with Rollins, one-on-one matches with every individual member of Judgment Day, WWE gave you every single variation of KO and Sammy versus the Judgment Day humanly possible. And that is what Vince McMahon is known to do. They don't know any better. They got three hours of TV to fill and they feel like fans want to see the same fucking match, the same main event every single week. No, we don't. We don't want to see the same main event every week. We don't want to see the same fucking cast of characters every single week. But I will say, out of everything that we've had to sit through and endure, this was easily the best of every match that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the Judgment Day have had. This was phenomenal. Excellent stuff. This was a Texas Tornado match. Tables, kendo sticks, chairs, a hockey fight, brawling into the crowd. Chaos. This was utter chaos. So they brawled all over ringside. Sammy threw chairs into the ring. And Balor hits KO and Sammy with a kendo stick. Balor then pulls out a bucket from underneath the ring. And inside the bucket has the Pittsburgh terrible towel. He starts to swing around his head. He throws it on the ground and steps on it in disgust. Crowd thought of booing him more than any other point in the match because he stepped on the terrible towel. 
Now, I don't know the significance of the terrible towel, but that's something apparently you don't do in Pittsburgh. Priest and Balor attack KO at ringside. Sammy came to the rescue here. He played up to the crowd and fans chanted with Sammy. KO pulled out trash cans with Sammy from underneath the ring and they started bashing Priest and Balor with them several times in front of the commentary table. KO, he changed outfits in this match two different times. He came out wearing his regular KO shirt and then he takes his shirt off middle of the match and he rips his KO shirt to reveal that he's wearing a Terry Funk t-shirt underneath. I popped. I thought that was great. He put a trash can over Balor's head. Sammy KO took kendo sticks and started smashing the trash can with Balor in it. They were using him as a pinata and they destroyed him with the trash can and kendo sticks. So after that, they pulled out a table. Fans chanted, we want tables, we want tables. I don't know what it is with these American crowds. I mean, before the bell even rings and we're in a hardcore match, we want tables. Like, really? That's the new thing now. Crowd wants tables instantly. Cringe. Absolutely cringe. So they pull out a table and they make everybody in Pittsburgh happy. They set it up at ringside. Priest fought back, hit Sammy with the trash can across his back and threw it at KO. Balor and Priest took control of the match. They were beating down Sammy's end and Kevin Owens for a couple of minutes. Sammy made a comeback with the steel chair. Priest and Balor then retreated into the crowd, and this is where the match really got fucked up. Sammy and KO chased them down. Dominic Mysterio, Dirty Dom, showed up, and he gives the Judgment Day a three-on-two advantage. So as there is a three-on-two advantage here, Sami Zayn and KO are in the crowd. They disappear for a little bit. All of a sudden, they reemerge from the hockey uh, area, the penalty box inside the PPG Paints Arena. They're in the crowd legitimately. All of a sudden, they pop up from the penalty box in the crowd, and they're wearing Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys. And they have hockey sticks, and they have hockey gloves. So we have a legitimate hockey fight on our hands. I thought this was fucking great. This was very, very cool. So I think one of them wore, KO wore a uh, Lemieux jersey and Sammy wore a Crosby jersey to Pittsburgh Penguins legends. Michael Cole mistakenly called the Penguins the Steelers. He couldn't differentiate the NHL from the NFL. Thank God for Corey Graves, who was there to correct him on such a blunder. Michael Cole, I know he's, he was excited about the match, but how can't you tell the Penguins from the Steelers? I don't even watch football or hockey, and I know the difference. Ridiculous. KO was bleeding. I'm like, oh, wow, there's blood. KO looking like John Moxley out here. He's got a red crimson mask all of a sudden. Sammy gave Balor a blue thunder bomb on shares in the ring after this hockey fight. They had hockey sticks. It was really cool, man. They were bashing each other with the hockey sticks. Really cool stuff. We get back to the ring. Blue Thunder Bomb on a series of steel chairs. Looking brutal. Balor kicked out. They brawled back into the crowd again. Dominic cut Sami Zayn's momentum off. Sami fought back. KO leapt in the crowd. He's over there with, uh, I believe, Dominic. He leapt off of a fucking balcony 
with a swanton bomb onto Dominic through a table. Now, he kind of overshot it, and I genuinely got scared for his well-being because he hit mostly concrete and maybe some of Dominic. He came up, his back got to be fucked up. He was holding his side, he was holding his wrist. Terrible. Sami Zayn is in the ring watching this go down. Kevin Owens is a fucking legit psychopath. And he wants to know why his body is beaten up. I mean, I loved it. Everybody loved it. They chanted holy shit. But he kind of overshot it a little bit, man. Crazy, crazy spot. He hit Dominic. Table still broke. Fans chanted holy shit. They replayed it from multiple different angles. It did not look good on any angle for Kevin Owens. Graves said the match was breaking down and he was going fucking crazy. And Sammy went for a halluva kick in the ring towards the end of this thing. Priest threw a trash can at him to stop the halluva kick. Priest and Balor set up a double team finish with a razor's edge. Sammy slipped free and gave Priest an exploder suplex into the corner after knocking Balor off the top rope. Sammy knocked Balor off the ring apron, threw the table that was set up earlier in the match. KO caught, somehow Kevin Owens was still standing. I don't know how. He came back to the ring. He gave Priest a stunner, and then Sammy landed a halluva kick. He went to cover Priest, and J.D. McDonough shows up out of nowhere and pulls Sammy off of Priest to break up the cover. So he helps Priest basically stay in the match. Kevin Owens took him out with a fucking clothesline, turned him inside out, slammed McDonough on top of the announce desk, starts yelling at him as he's laying on the ground, basically motionless. All of a sudden, Rhea Ripley comes out by the timekeeper's area. Kevin Owens walks to the timekeeper's area. Rhea Ripley, all of a sudden, you see do a beeline around the ring, and she spears Kevin Owens through the timekeeper's area. Speared him through the timekeeper's barricade. He's taken out. So... This thing is breaking down pretty badly, man. It was fun, but the numbers game was too much for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Sami and Balor are in the ring, and Balor landed a sling blade. He leapt off the top rope with a coup de gras attempt. Sami moved. Sami landed an exploder, a halluva kick. I thought this was it. I thought they were going to win. But Dom broke up the cover. He leaps into the ring and smashes Sami Zayn in the back of the head with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So it took every single member of Judgment Day and a possible Judgment Day recruit to beat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and they lose the Tag Team Championships to the Judgment Day. Judgment Day now has the Tag Team titles, the Women's World Championship, the North American Championship, and they have access to a Money in the Bank contract. Judgment Day runs Monday Night Raw. Judgment Day runs all of WWE. I was shocked that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens lost this match. Was it the right decision? I don't know. I don't know yet. What I do hope for, what I genuinely, genuinely hope for, I'm going to throw something at you right now. WWE has the makings of a great tag team division. They do. WWE wants to get on the same page as me, 
and everybody else who's been claiming, let's get the tag team division where it needs to be. You're looking at war games. You're looking at war games. Right now, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, you know, I've mentioned them in war games as potential partners for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Judgment Day. Right now, they got their own thing going on. I don't necessarily think that's best for them. But I do think that we're getting war games because obviously this is way too much for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to handle by themselves. I'm going to throw something at you and I want to see what you guys feel about this. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano against the Judgment Day. War games. Where is Johnny Gargano? Tommaso Ciampa. They all know each other. They're very good friends. They came from the same fucking place. I'd love to see that at War Games. I'd love to see Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa potentially be the ones to take the titles off of Judgment Day. But we need to get them back on television first. We need to get them involved. This may be a way that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn get on board with getting things even. Because I thought it was going to be Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and Cody Rhodes. I think they're going to be doing something completely different going into Survivor Series. But if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens want to even the odds, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa would be the perfect equalizers against Judgment Day. Can you imagine Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Tommaso Ciampa, and Johnny Gargano on the same team against Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and J.D. McDonough? Sounds like a War Games match to me. I don't know. I'm just thinking ahead. I don't know what they have planned, but clearly the numbers game killed Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens tonight, and they're not going to stay four against two. Something needs to change here. They need to dig deep and find equalizers. There's no better than Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Are they going to add Jay Uso? I don't know. Jay Uso's going to do his own thing. Why would they add Jay Uso? I don't want to see that. I don't know what they do with Jay Uso. I really don't. I thought this was a tremendous match, man. Really, really fun stuff. Some people are upset about the ending. I thought I was going to be more upset than I am. But listen, you know, the rumor going around is Damian Priest is going to be the one booted from Judgment Day. They can't tell that story now. They have to get you till Survivor Series. They have to get to Survivor Series. So if we do that, you know, you got to start playing that up the closer we get to the event. So them winning the tag team championships right now isn't really going to be all that big of a deal. Am I kind of disappointed that WWE put Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the biggest storyline in the history of the company to have them win in the main event of night one of WrestleMania only for them to squander their fucking title reign to do nothing with it, only to drop it to Judgment Day? Yeah, I'm kind of pissed off about that. I'm kind of pissed off at WWE Creative that they didn't do anything with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens' title reign after they beat the best tag team on the fucking planet at WrestleMania. That's not on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. That's on WWE Creative for not booking the division right. I would never blame Sami and KO. So yeah, I am kind of pissed off that they didn't do anything with their reign, and here we are with them not really accumulating much of anything from WrestleMania till now, only to give it to Judgment Day. 
Not good. Not good. I know there are some people upset about that. But I do think things will end up back in KO and Sami Zayn's favor. I do. Or maybe we get Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano winning the tag team championships. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The Grayson Waller effect. Grayson Waller introduced Cody Rhodes. He made his way to the ring, and we got multiple woes. Cody delayed the second woe because she knew it was coming. Grayson Waller, shit on the Pittsburgh crowd. And Cody's out there looking dapper as always. Fans chanted for Cody. And Grayson Waller didn't want Cody to finish his, so what do you guys want to talk about? So he had the microphone. He was about to ask Pittsburgh what they want to talk about. And Grayson Waller said, no, no, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to know what Pittsburgh wants to hear. Nobody wants to talk to Pittsburgh. So Cody said he wanted to subvert expectations. He revealed he wanted to be on Waller's show. He says he wanted to give him a big scoop. So we had some big news here on Payback Saturday. Cody said SmackDown is an intriguing brand to him. He said he saw a wrong that he felt needed to be righted. So Cody's automatically throwing his nose in bloodline business. Interesting. There is a wrong that needed to be righted. He said whatever political stroke he had, he cashed them all in. All his poker chips, he cashed them all in. All in. He says he hopes this isn't a decision that he regrets. He stood up and said, Jay Uso has now been added to the Monday Night Raw roster. Jay Uso came out. Michael Cole called it a blockbuster announcement. Waller is in the ring. Cody left the ring. Waller's still there. So Waller's now looking at Jay Uso and talking trash to Jay Uso. Waller asks Jay how he feels about being the latest member of the Raw roster. He says he's been a twin his whole life and surrounded by the bloodline. He said as successful as he's been in tag matches, he's achieved absolutely nothing as a singles wrestler. No lies detected there by Mr. Waller. As he said, Jay needs the Grayson Waller rub. Jay super kicked him and left as Cody was watching from the stage. So Jay Uso is on Monday Night Raw. Very intriguing. Jay says he quit the bloodline. He quit SmackDown and he quit WWE. He gets brought back to Monday Night Raw because of Cody. And immediately he's a major babyface on Monday Night Raw, adding more to the Monday Night Raw brand, which honestly, they could use more depth because the show is painfully boring. Now, I'm not sure if Cody is going to use Jay to get to Roman, but it certainly feels that way because he saw a wrong that needed to be righted and he took it upon himself. I don't think Roman, I don't think Heyman are going to sit idly by and just let this be. This is a problem. And this is how Cody is going to get involved with Roman and the bloodline for the time being 
to keep you guys invested and keep it in the fans' mind that this is where they are going, going into WrestleMania. What does Jey Uso do on Raw? I don't know. I already got people telling me, oh, I'd love to see Jey Uso beat Gunther for the IC title. No. I will have no such thing happen. What does Jey Uso do on Raw? I don't fucking know. I don't even give a shit. It's a good move in the aspect of, hey, let's keep Jimmy and Jay off of the same brand and keep them separated until WrestleMania. Have Jimmy do his thing on SmackDown. Have Jay do his thing on Raw. We come back together close to the WrestleMania season, and then we start building Jimmy versus Jay at WrestleMania. That's all this is. This is basically WWE for a second year in a row trying to long-term book by having a brand split and using the brand split to keep brother and brother separated. Because they did the same thing with father and son by keeping them separated. If you guys remember, Dominic Mysterio was feuding with Ray, and Ray didn't want anything to do with Dom, so he went to Triple H and asked to be traded to SmackDown. And they traded Ray Mysterio for Baron Corbin. Ridiculous-looking trade, but that's how they kept Ray and Dominic apart. And then they played it up, and they built going into WrestleMania. That's exactly what they're going to be doing with Jimmy and Jey Uso. But this is also going to be Cody's in for bloodline business. Before long, this is going to get Cody on SmackDown, and Cody's going to be involved with Roman Reigns for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Rhea Ripley. She went one-on-one with Raquel Rodriguez, easily the weakest match of the show. Was not a fan of this match. I honestly thought this match went way too long, too. A lot of these matches could have been, this match and the Miz match could have been shaved at least five minutes. This match did not need to go close to 20 minutes. It did not. I was pretty bored with this, and something is really off about Raquel Rodriguez. She's not ready yet. She's clearly not ready. Now, I understand WWE wanted a major women's presence on this show. You got it with Becky Lynch, and you got it with Trish Stratus in the steel cage match. This match did not need to go near 20 minutes. It did not. Now, again, WWE was trying to make up for the lack of women's representation on SummerSlam. Sometimes less is more. Raquel Rodriguez is not built to go 20 minutes. She's not ready to go 20 minutes. She's green. She's got no character. She's uncharismatic. She's not there yet. She's a complete work in progress. Why are you putting her out there in a 20-minute match against Rhea Ripley, who could go out there and have a great match with anybody? She's not ready. This wasn't the time. It wasn't the place. It wasn't the match for Raquel Rodriguez to go in there and go 20 minutes with Rhea Ripley. It's just the way that I feel about it. Now, I like the matchup. I think Rhea and Raquel, size-wise, is a great match. I do think that when Raquel is ready, she could have a great match and a great feud with Rhea Ripley, but not right now. Not right now. There wasn't much heat coming into this. Crowd was fucking bored. Crowd was dead. This was the quietest the crowd felt and sounded all night. It has nothing to do with Rhea because she's over as fuck. There's just no heat. And yeah, Rhea took out Liv and Rhea injured Raquel's tag team partner, but that's about it. 
They played it up that Raquel had to get cleared for weeks. She finally got cleared. She got the match. And here we are. There really isn't anything substantial for the fans to sink their teeth into. There's no real heat. There's no real investment there. And Raquel loses. So where do we go? She was put in this position and put in this story to get revenge on Rhea. She lost. And now where do we go? Does that mean Liv Morgan comes back? Does Liv now get a shot at Rhea Ripley? Match could have went 10 minutes, did not need to go 20. So, Rhea Ripley and Raquel locked up, and they started jawing at each other. I like the fact that Michael Cole mentioned their NXT history as well. Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley, uh, I believe, had a match, and it was the last match that Rhea Ripley lost in NXT before she got demoted at the time to the main roster. So that was her last match with Raquel. They did a callback to that, and they did mention that on commentary, which I really appreciate. So Rhea Ripley is in the ring, and Raquel hit a big shoulder block. Ripley came back with a kick to the midsection. Ripley tried for some clotheslines. Raquel didn't move. Raquel clotheslined Ripley down to the mat. Raquel landed a body slam. Ripley dropkicked Raquel and went for the ground and pound on Rodriguez. Ripley worked over Raquel with some kicks, and she was basically in control of this match. Rhea actually came up a little bloody on her nose by being so physical with Raquel. So Ripley landed a snap neckmare and kicked Raquel's back. Ripley applied an abdominal stretch. Raquel worked her way out of it, threw Ripley across the ring. Eventually, Ripley came back with a dropkick. Bunch of big fists uh, across Raquel's back. Rodriguez fired up. Series of clotheslines, fallaway slam. Rodriguez hit the second rope, and Ripley cut Raquel off and kicked Rodriguez down to the mat. Raquel eventually hits her spinning corkscrew elbow from the second rope for a two-count. Ripley landed a running knee and pinned Raquel while posing for a two-count. Ripley went for a riptide. Raquel worked her way out of it and went for a Tahana bomb. That did not work, and Raquel hit a clothesline for a two-count instead. Raquel and Ripley are now in in the corner, and she placed Ripley on top of the turnbuckle. Raquel punched Ripley off. Ripley came back and hit a chop lock on Raquel. Ripley sank in the prism lock submission. Raquel got out of it. The two got to their feet. They start slapping each other, and they go to the outside. Raquel ran Ripley into the ring post and then slammed Ripley into the barricade. Raquel again ran Ripley into the ring post, shoulder first. This time, Dominic Mysterio came to ringside and found his way into the match and into the ring. Raquel grabbed Dominic, hit a power slam on him. From there, Ripley kicked Raquel's knee and kicked her in the head. She landed a riptide, and that was it for the win. So Raquel Rodriguez was distracted by Dominic. I don't know why the referee didn't immediately get Dominic out of the ring. I don't know why she was distracted with Dom. I don't know why she attempted to put her hands on Dom. You're in the match with Rhea Ripley. He's not going to do anything to you to get Rhea Ripley disqualified. So she cost herself the match. So Dominic distracts, riptide on Raquel for the win. 
and that was it. The match was boring. The match was not very exciting at all. And I don't think Raquel was ready for this spot. Now, I know WWE doesn't have a lot of challengers lined up for Rhea Ripley, but we got to start doing something. We do. Rhea Ripley has zero competition on Monday Night Raw. Zero. I don't even know where to start thinking about competition. She beat Raquel. She beat Natalia. Who's left? Shayna Baszler? Nothing coming out of the women's division on Monday Night Raw is screaming must-see. Like, what are we doing? It's really, really dull on Monday night. Really dull. John Cena was backstage. And he was acting as an interviewer. And he welcomed Finn and uh, Finn and Damian Priest as the new tag team champions. Cena asked him about their win. And Priest said Judgment Day is all on the same page. Priest listed off all their titles. Cena, who was kind of, you know, he was cosplaying as an interviewer and he wasn't really all that funny. He was kneeling in a very funny baseball moment. He stood up as Balor and Priest ended the segment. I didn't really find any of this funny. I thought what John Cena did in the beginning of the show was more than enough for me on this night, but they had him out there acting like a geek in an interview segment, whatever. Time for the main event. Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. WWE World Heavyweight Championship on the line here. Smash went nearly 30 minutes. 30 minutes for Nakamura and Seth Rollins. If you guys found yourself a little bored during this thing, you are not alone because I was right there with you. It was slow. The finish was flat. The crowd was flat. This was very flat as a main event. The match itself during some parts was very good. I don't want to sit here and and critique the whole thing as just a bad match. But at the end of the night, I said this in the beginning, it is very difficult for me to sit here and find myself invested in a Nakamura character after WWE has done nothing with him since they called him up from NXT. They've done nothing with him. The one time that they could have done something with him and the one time that they should have done something with him was when he was feuding with Jinder Mahal. That's when he should have won the WWE Championship. After that point, you buried him. He lost to Mahal. He was never the same after that. They tried to give us the certified dream match that you only found in Japan with Seth Ro- with uh, Nakamura and AJ Styles, right? That match was flat at WrestleMania. That was not given the WrestleMania treatment at all. The storyline there was built off of, of a fucking low blow. Nakamura's run on the main roster has been abysmal. Abysmal. Yet you want me to sit there for three weeks and say, yeah, what you've done for the last five years, yeah, let's just wipe that away, man. Let's all forget about that. No, it's not going to happen. Yes, what they've done with him in the three weeks is good stuff. The presentation's been great. 
The vibe has been great. The attitude change has been great. The heel turn has been great. But this is way beyond too little too late. I mean, what are we doing? And this just goes to show you the current state of WWE in certain aspects. Rhea Ripley's got no challengers coming out, of, coming out of that division on Monday. And Seth Rollins has absolutely no challengers coming out of that division on Monday night for him and his championship. Now, Cody is there, but Cody's not going to be challenging for that championship. Maybe Jay Uso, now that he's over there. We have to see what happens with Chad Gable. Does Chad Gable beat Gunther for the world or for the uh, Intercontinental Championship? That remains to be seen. Maybe they move Gunther into the World Heavyweight Championship title picture. That is something I'm very much looking forward to. Damian Priest is always looming with that briefcase. Who else is over there on Monday night? That could really be a credible threat to Seth Rollins. There is nobody right now. Nobody. So for me to sit here and watch this match for 30 minutes when I know Nakamura more than likely is not winning the world championship, it's a tough sell, man. It really is a tough sell. Now, the rumor going around was that the great Muda, and he was in the crowd, the great Muda was spotted in Pittsburgh before the show, and a lot of people were like, oh, the great Muda's being brought in by WWE. Is he going to help Nakamura win the world title tonight? And he was sitting in the crowd. And the Nakamura and Muda reference goes back to Nakamura, I believe, having the last match for the great Muda. That's why he was there. The Muda was there for support as Nakamura was challenging Seth Rollins for the World's Heavyweight Championship. Match was flat. I don't know what else to tell you. The match was flat. And this goes to show you that also, you know, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way about Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is a tremendous wrestler. Maybe it's time for him to just go away and get some back surgery. I don't know what it is. When Rollins reaches the heights that the fans want to see him reach, when he's there, he never really elicits any excitement. He just never gives off the vibe that I want to see him remain champion. It was cool for a month or two. Oh, great. Rollins got the world championship. Let's give him his flowers. And as soon as we get the Rollins reign going, it's like, all right, I'm bored of it. Let's move on to somebody else. Is he really championship material? Is he really top of the guy material? Does he have longevity to be a top guy as a world champion? Or is he just a fucking theme song? That's what I'm really struggling to figure out. The theme song is more over than Seth Rollins is. The theme song is more over than his reign is. It's just a fact. The match was flat. And every match that Rollins is going to have from this point on is going to be flat until he loses the title to Gunther. Gunther's going to be the one to put him on the fucking shelf where he finally goes and gets back surgery. The match was all right, but like I said, man, crowd died, and they didn't really give a shit. So, Nakamura, he kicked Rollins in the back. He started working on the back. Rollins, obviously, favoring his back. He tried to come back with some chops and some punches. Nakamura rolled to the outside, and Rollins followed with a tope suicida. 
back in the ring. Rollins went for pedigree. Nakamura landed a back body drop and took control. Nakamura draped Rollins over the top. Rollins moved, and after an exchange, Nakamura rolled to the outside, and Rollins landed another tope. Moving pretty well with a guy with a bad back. Nakamura was on the commentary table, and he lured Seth Rollins in. Nakamura threw Rollins on top of the commentary table, and Rollins landed awkwardly on his back. The two get back in the ring. Nakamura landed a knee to Rollins' midsection. Nakamura worked a camel clutch, hit a backbreaker, a running knee to Rollins' head. Single leg crab. Rollins got out of the single leg crab. He went to the second rope, did Nakamura. Rollins cut him off with some chops. He landed a beautiful-looking Frankensteiner on Nakamura, took Nakamura down from the top rope. Things at this point slowed down. The two then got to their feet, started trading some elbows. Rollins got the best of it, hit a clothesline, a sling blade, and Nakamura is down. Rollins then hit a big, beautiful frog splash for a great near fall. Rollins tried to lift Nakamura, which obviously at this point he was favoring his back. And he ended up with a clothesline on Nakamura. So instead of picking him up and trying to lift Nakamura for a big power move, he just clotheslined Nakamura instead. Rollins then started trash-talking Nakamura, and he goes for a stomp, but Nakamura moved. Nakamura hit a knee from the second rope. He then slammed Rollins. Nakamura kicked Rollins back and then hit a rolling snap German suplex for a two-count. Nakamura landed an exploder, ran at Rollins. Rollins counted with a super kick, goes for a cover, gets a two. Rollins hit a few strikes. Nakamura rolled into an armbar. He then powered Nakamura up, did Rollins, and hit a power-up, sit-out powerbomb. So the two then get up. They go face-to-face, head-to-head. Rollins and Nakamura trade elbows. Nakamura lifted Rollins. Rollins worked out of it, hit an enziguri. Seth goes to the top. Nakamura cut him off. Nakamura hit. I don't know what the fuck he hit. It looked like he hit a Michinoku driver off the top rope. It looked fucking vicious. Got a near fall out of it. He then landed a Kinshasa, but Rollins could not get up because he wanted another one. Nakamura kept, like, peppering those kicks on Nakamura, those little weak kicks that he does. Rollins eventually gets up, hits a pedigree. Rollins went for the stomp. Nakamura cut him off. Rollins eventually hit the stomp out of nowhere. Very flat ending. Legitimately came out of nowhere. So after a pedigree and a stomp, he gets the win over Nakamura. And the show ended with Rollins in the ring, Nakamura on the outside of the ring. And that's basically the way the show went off the air. No struggle. No post-match attack. Nakamura just loses clean. And you ask me to care about Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, genuinely, where do you go from here? Like, where do you go? I don't know, man. Not even a fucking cash-in. Not even a priest cash-in attempt. Nothing. If they really wanted to make Judgment Day, they could have had Damian Priest cash in after a Nakamura Kinshasa to the back of the head in a post-match attack. They didn't do it. At this point, I think with the way Rollins is feeling as world champion, I would probably welcome that, to be quite honest with you. 
All in all, I felt this was a solid show. Certainly a B-level show, but a solid show nonetheless. But this is what WWE gets when they build these shows in a very lazy fashion. You know, the WWE goes in ice cold to these shows, and then by default, these shows always exceed expectations because the build-in for the last five weeks has been fucking ice cold and boring. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. Solid show, highlighted by Trish and Becky, believe it or not, and the tag team title match with KO, Sammy, and the Judgment Day. Thank you guys for hanging out with me on this very late Saturday, very early Sunday morning. I appreciate you guys very much. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a second. Let's put on some music here. I got to do my nasal spray, man, because I am fucking congested as fuck right now. I should really be in bed, to be quite honest. Ridiculous, man. I can't wait to get back to being better, man. I don't know what the fuck I did to get sick, but I can't work like this, man. I really can't. I'm an energetic individual when I'm on here, man. I need my voice. My voice is my most powerful weapon. If I don't have my voice and I can't breathe, what the fuck good am I? Ridiculous. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me, though, man. Let's get those likes up, man. We need 80... What do we need? We need 98 likes. 98 likes for 1,000. Can we get another 98 likes on the stream tonight? Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys go hit that subscribe button down below, turn the bell for notifications, and go check out all the other content on the channel, man. Plenty of it. MGM Bowling with a 999. Three streams in one day. Absolute beast. My body's regretting it, balling. Anything I should go back and watch from Payback. I'll tune into this tomorrow as I'm currently drunk with friends. Love you, JD. Um, Ballin', I would recommend the Becky and Trish Dill Cage, and I would recommend the tag team title match. For sure. William with the $2 Superjack. Can we get Trish versus Lita? So they can get off my TV. Uh, I don't want either of these women on TV ever again. Nick Williams with a final super chat. Times two. This whole situation with CM Punk. All in, all out. Hell, all the drama in general could have been avoided if Tony Khan acted like a boss. It caused a massive distraction, not just for AEW, but for WWE. For me as well. I'm truly disgusted, and this shit could have been avoided. Nick, I think a lot of fans are frustrated, brother. And people are still thinking it's a work. It's not a work. Michelle with a five. Sucks that Sammy and Carol lost. Maybe now they can get decent singles pushes. And do you think that Jay will get involved with Sammy somehow now that, now that he's on Raw? I would assume that he does. I would assume that he does. 
We will see. And also, Michelle says, Judgment Day even more overexposed on Raw now. Listen, man, WWE is going to ride what is hot. And right now, Judgment Day is the hot thing. Tony Brown with a 499 wasn't as bad of a show as I thought, JD. It's a solid show tonight, Tony Brown. Michelle with the $2 Super Chat. Good main event. Happy we had no cash in. It was, I mean, if you want to go based on the wrestling itself, fine. It was a good main event. But the crowd adds 50% to every match. They are half of every match. If you got a shit crowd and a boring crowd, the match is not going to come off as a great match. Pittsburgh was pretty flat for Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins. Beyond the script with the 499, JD, show was very good tonight. Felt very much like a Triple H run show. Would you agree? Love you, bro. Thanks for blessing us with three streams today. Um, It felt like a Triple H run show because of the consistency between PLEs. Shorter PLEs, less is more. We only had six matches on tonight's show. That's the way it should be, especially for these B-level pay-per-views. Cameron Battle with a 499. How's your Pokemon collection coming along? Also, I'm watching the Kurt Angle documentary. WWE does so well with these docs and gonna miss CM Punk. Cameron, I uh I am right now in the midst of collecting. I'm attempting to go for a master set of Obsidian Flames. I got a whole booster box I have yet to open, 36 packs. And if anybody's a Pokemon card collector, man, I got a couple of questions, honestly. If I need specific cards like holograms or or whatever, what's the best place to go and buy them? And what do you guys usually do with the doubles? Because I got quite a few doubles already. I don't really want the doubles. I knew that was going to be a problem when I started collecting, man. Double. I hate fucking doubles. Uh, The Kurt Angle doc, I I definitely want to watch that, man. WWE always does good with that. And yeah, I'm going to miss CM Punk too. I wish things were different. I really do. Nathan Rush with a final super jet. I really hope we get a Cena versus LA Knight match. Also shocked that Damian didn't cash in on Seth tonight. Much love, JD. OTS for life. Yeah. Cena versus LA Knight? I don't know, man. Cena's going to be involved in something with somebody on SmackDown. I don't know who it is. It may very well be LA Knight. It may be Grayson Waller. We don't know. Dom Wapa with the 499. JD like Jordan with the three-peat. Thanks for the hard work today. Hope you're feeling better, brother. I enjoyed the show tonight and hope you did as well. It was a decent show tonight, Dom Wapo. You guys got me at my best today during the stream with Jesse. Soon as the nighttime came, man, that nighttime is usually the worst when you're sick. All you want to do is fucking close your eyes and go to sleep, man. That's all I wanted to do.
Tribal Chief with a $2 super chat. Becky, Trish, awesome. You got to give it to them. OTS. Yes. They had a great match tonight. It doesn't excuse that the feud sucked, but they had a great match tonight. Buddy, I'm going to bed, bro. I got super chats to read. Alex Young with a five. I know for some, it would have been too much with JD taking tag titles. But I'm not, but I'm disappointed at no cash in even being attempted. Listen, man, for all we know, Damian Priest is calculated and precise on what he wants to do, man. You can't tell Damian Priest when to cash in his briefcase. Joseph Taylor with a five-dollar super chat. Two things, JD. The street fight, my match of the night. And people on Twitter are blaming Dave Meltzer and the Young Bucks for Punk getting fired. CM Punk got CM Punk fired. The Young Bucks had nothing to do with this current situation with him and Jack Perry. You can use your tinfoil caps and put your fucking conspiracy theory caps on and say that Jungle Boy was used as a pawn to get CM Punk fired because of the Young Bucks. No. Give me a break. CM Punk got CM Punk fired. Tony Brown with the 499. I'm probably one of your oldest chat members. Army Vietnam vet. And we're happy to have you, Tony, no matter your age. We're happy that you are a VIP here on OTS. Phantom with a $50 super chat. California IPA. Get to the chopper from Bridge Brewing Company. Three times today, JD. What a beast. Phantom, enjoy that California IPA. Hopefully you're on your fourth by now. I'm not a fan of IPA. I will never be a fan of IPA. The only IPAs that I will drink are hazy IPAs or sour IPAs. That's it. But like a traditional straight-up IPA, double IPA, triple IPA, no way, Jose. No, thank you. That doesn't even taste like beer to me. It's like I'm drinking dirt. Latoya Woods with a $2 Super Chat. I'm three weeks in. I have another week to go. Oh, you mean to chat in the, in the, in the live stream? I'm sorry, Latoya. Rules are rules. I do it to keep the trolls at bay. I'm not the only creator that does it, too. I know a lot of other creators that do the same thing. The lessening of the trolls is peace of mind. And peace of mind is something that we should all want when we live stream. I could make it eight weeks. I think four weeks is fair. Mike Lee with five months. Hey, JD, you're a beast for doing three streams in one day. Well, hopefully you guys appreciated it. Latino Heat, thank you again, brother, for the $100 Super Chat times two, man. You guys are fucking beast. Trey Wallace with a new membership. Thank you, Trey. El Mulatto. Well, they're $199. Get some ginger tea, JD. Told you about Jay Uso. I'm going to make myself some Theraflu before I go to bed. How about them eggs? 
Jason, thank you for the 100 bomb, brother. I don't even know what streak you're on, man. You may, you may be on like a nine-stream streak, bro. Incredible. At this rate, you're going to break the Undertaker streak. Krauser. $2 Super Chat. New intro. Maybe talk about how important LTB is. I don't know, man. I quite like my intro. If we could get a new intro made, sure. I got to come up with another organic quote that I say on the podcast that could be put into the intro and made, made to sound cool. Tribal Chief with a $2 super chat. I love your show, bro. You're the best OTS family, pal. Thank you, Tribal Chief. Always appreciate you, brother. John Lamey with 13 months. 13 months as a member of the best podcast in the IWC. You're the best, JD. OTS for life. Thank you, John. Billy Sizane with 13 months. JD, you the man. Sad day for wrestling, but hopefully we get the AEW prior. CM Woke. Get better, JD. Man, I don't know. This CM Punk stuff, man, is not going to go away, man. It's just going to, it's just honestly going to get worse. I, I'm telling you right now. This is just the beginning. If he goes away and is never heard from again, I'd be shocked. There'd be, there, there could be potential lawsuits here. There could be legal shit happening between Punk and AEW. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know. All I read is that some of the roster is very upset about this decision being made. Some of them are happy. Some of them are upset. But you're not going to make everybody happy. Tony Khan had to do what he had to do, and I appreciate and respect the fact that he went on live television to address the CM Punk firing. That took some fucking balls. Nolberto Crespo with a $20 Super Jet. JD, you are the best. Thanks for what you do. You always keep it real. I will always keep it real. Nolberto. Always. Kal-El with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD. Went to my first PLE. Really enjoyed myself. Not going to lie. I definitely marked out. Bro, that tag match was wicked. OTS for life. That tag match was fucking great, man. That was a fun time. I can imagine being there. In the action. Had a fun time watching that on my TV, man. Matt Presto, I see you in the chat. Juicy, Steen, and I were there tonight. Enjoyed the show. Yeah, my guy Juicy is uh, hes a good guy, man. I seen his tweet that he was there. Says he always attends those shows in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'd love to come back out to Pittsburgh and hang out with Juice and Brian Goolish again, man. Those, uh, those were fun times, man. I remember sitting at... The last time I went to a show in Pittsburgh was at Extreme Rules, and I got invited by Goolish. And we we sit in front row, man. We had the best seats. Legitimately, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley were right in front of my face, man. In my lap. It's crazy. I mean, I'd love to do that again at some point. I really would. But finding the time to go out there. And this weekend was terrible, man. I got back from London. One of these days, one of these years, I'll, uh, I'll get back out there.
Billy, thank you, brother, for the $100 super chat. As always, man, JD, get better, get rest. What a week of wrestling. CM Punk gone now. Bring back the AW from the prior. Yeah. It's what we hope for, brother. Sarit Mohanty with a five-month membership. How do you feel about AEW All Out having more than 13 matches tomorrow, including zero hour? Should we criticize AEW for not following less is more? Bro, I don't know why the main show has 10 matches. I don't. Unless Tony Khan is going to give us a show from 8 to 11.30. Maybe. But 10 matches? This is not a show, especially a show that hasn't really had any build. You don't need 10 matches. You don't. Mike NY with 16 months. Hurt Business versus Judgment Day. War Games. Well, who are we adding to the Hurt Business? We need four. They're not ready for that yet. They haven't really been completed yet, man. They're just starting out. They're just getting started. They're getting warmed up. The Street Profits aren't where they need to be yet. Will Chisholm with five in Super Chat. WWE's really telling us without telling... That we getting Roman versus Cody to at WrestleMania. They want you to know. After what they did at 39, there's no way they aren't doing it at 40. New membership by Kenny. Thank you, Kenny. Kenny who? Kenny Omega? Latino Heat, thank you for the 100 in Super Chat. 200 in total, Latino Heat. I appreciate you, brother. Jason Tarr with 18 months. No message. Thank you for being a VIP for 18 months, Jason Tarr. Stallion Productions with a 499. I'm proud of Khan. You think Vince would have done this to a Hogan or Roman or Cena if they were a problem? No, he would have just excommunicated them. Arrangements with a 199. Hey, JD, you see Waller's post on X aimed at Punk. Yes, I did. I, I actually quote tweeted him. The wound is still fresh, bruh. That's what I retweeted. Ricardo Linnell with 37 months after an emotionally trying August. I'm back. Please keep my grandma in your prayers. Thank you for always bringing my mood up, JD. Ricardo, listen, man, my mood has been shit. For the last two days, man, I'm fucking ill. You guys are bringing my mood to somewhat decent. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. My thoughts and prayers to your grandma. Christy Wilson with a 499. I think Jay Uso being on Raw means that Cody Rhodes is going to be on SmackDown so we can face Roman again at WrestleMania. Yes. How we get there is the question. Willie Teague with the $2 Super Chat. JD, did you hear when Becky told Trish to hit her? No. Willie Teague with another $2 Super Chat. Trish and Becky was the best match of the night. No, it wasn't. Tag team title match was easily the best match of the night. Coaster Cloudy with a six months. Great show tonight. Nothing bad at all. 
I don't necessarily know if I agree with that coaster. Raquel and Rhea was not really all that entertaining. Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins wasn't really all that entertaining. Outside that, I enjoyed the rest of the show. I give it a solid uh, six and a half out of ten. Nathan Norlin with a two dollar super chat, two a two and a five. Nathan says, just wanted to say, J.D., love your show, bro. Always keep up the good work, my brother. Drinking a good liquid death. I feel like liquid death, Nathan. Thank you. And my guy, Dr. Evil Genius, 499. J.D. is the hardest worker in the IWC, says, Jeroy McChicken. Gotta love me some Jeroy McChicken, man. Uh, I will keep you updated on next week, bro. Um, I feel like garbage. And I'm very much looking forward to getting back uh, with you next. It, it, we'll, we're definitely doing something next week. I don't know if it's going to be Monday. But uh, I, I'm aiming for Tuesday. If that's okay with you, I'll let you know. But right now, I feel like complete dog shit. Work has to be done, man, unless I have a doppelganger that can sit in for me. Who's getting this content out? Anyway, guys, I appreciate you, man. I- I'm getting the fuck out of here. I am exhausted. WWE Payback in the books. Decent show. You guys will see me next tomorrow night. We'll do it all over again for all out. It's going to be another long night. Thanks to Tony Khan and company, who now are CM Punkless. Thank you guys for the tremendous support this Saturday afternoon, man, and Saturday evening. You guys are fucking crazy. We had a tremendous day. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other content, including... The emergency off the scripts. CM Punk fired from AEW. Jesse and I talk about it for two hours, man. Go and check it out. Great stuff. On top of everything else that you might have missed. Until then, guys, thank you so very much. Armando with the five months. Kevin Owens is so freaking good. Keep up the good work, JD. Cheers to off the script. Armando, thank you, brother. And I will see you guys tomorrow night. AEW, all out, live, right here on OTS. I will see you guys later.